0: Welcome, everyone, to Episode 9 of the Preacher's Corner Podcast. As you know, my name is Abraham Gomez. You can follow the Preacher's Corner Podcast page on Instagram and Facebook. Leave a comment. um, Follow it. uh, But most importantly, share it with someone. Uh, We have received some amazing stories of how God has spoken to them through the podcast. Some have begun to explore their faith and others have come back to God, which is a great, awesome, amazing thing. Thank you all for listening. This truly is a labor of love for me. Today, I am in Chula Vista, California at the Lighthouse Church admin offices. Once again, uh, this church has been a tremendous blessing to the podcast. They have allowed me to use their facilities. Thank Pastor Josh, Pastor Sam Mascareño, for that. And um, I can't thank them enough. Today's guest, who happens to be a friend of mine, is a young adults pastor at Lighthouse Church, their South Campus. Pastor Nick Tarango has been married to his wife, Tanya, for 22 years, and together they have three daughters, Dominique, Asia, and Hannah. Follow him on Instagram at Tarango Nick. Pastor Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Abraham. I'm so glad you're here. So I hear that uh, you play some basketball, man. Is that true? I play around a little bit. Oh, yeah. Who, who do you model your game after? Kobe, of course. Kobe, not Magic. <laughs> pass first, so you're score first. I score first. Not pass first. <laughs> I'm got time. <laughs> yeah, just just give me the rock and then that's it. I'll take care of the, everything else. Rebound and give it to me. That's it. All right. All right. So, um, little a little bit about uh, uh Pastor Nick and I how we uh, t- how we met. I met him at an interest night. So, those of you that have been following the podcast, Pastor Josh, who was executive pastor at the time, um, now has become lead pastor for Lighthouse Church North County. So, he had an interest night and um he was uh, in San Marcos, California. So I was gathering people who were interested to come to the church and, uh, I met, um, pastor Nick there and we were talking, you know, we're talking about different things. And then all of a sudden, pastor Nick, I, I don't know if you remember, but you said, um, yeah, I was listening to, uh, this po- podcast with, uh, pastor Josh on it. And, um, he an- I was changed. I was at the t- tire shop, I believe. Yeah. Or, or uh, getting yeah. your oil change or something. And he, and, and that podcast answered some questions that, uh, you had on your mind. And I said, Hey, that was me. And uh, you and I became uh, friends instantly uh, that day. So tell me how that um, episode spoke to you.
1: Well, it just had some, some questions with uh, just uh, my future and uh, just the way uh, listening to your story and Pastor Josh's story and how he launched his uh, North County church and uh, my house. And um, he just answered a lot of questions as far as uh, what's next, Mm -hmm. you know, for me and uh, I was transitioning from another church into a Lighthouse around that time, and um, uh, it just answered so many questions, and uh, it just kept
0: confirming that I was in the right place. Amen. And um, I remember uh, just the way that conversation came up about the the podcast, and and it w- it was actually it was, so it was my first one, you know, so I really hadn't heard a lot of feedback. So when you started telling me, like, it really motivated me, really encouraged me. So um, I thank you for that. Um, so, as the young adults pastor at uh, Lighthouse Church, um, what is your role, and how, how, uh, how do you uh, help the, the young adults there? Well,
1: I have a, a, a way of, I guess, uh, moving them along as far as discovering who they are. Uh, that goes on to discipleship, and then from there we deploy So we just want to discover who are they, what are their gifts, uh, what what are their likes, what are their professions, what do they want to do outside the church. Uh, We always talk about um, kingdom culture and not too much about church culture because church culture stays within the church in the four walls. Mm -hmm. But if we talk about kingdom culture, kingdom culture takes you wherever your feet take you. So that's into your workplaces, your schools, um, family, uh, wherever you step those feet, those feet step. that's kingdom culture, so we discover who you are, and then we get we just start to disciple those gifts, uh, whatever, they can be uh, preaching gifts, they can be uh, graphic design, they can be, so we disciple them as far as, uh, just like Jesus did. It's always, uh, it's been face to face, out to eat, uh, Jesus fed, he, he, they, he camped out with the disciples, he, he ate with them, he talked with them, I'm sure he laughed or, and uh, played some practical jokes on them. Right. So it's uh it's we just become family and through that discipleship we find they uh, start to um, grow and mature in things of God and um we start to use them uh as a, a, in a platform to uh just to to speak uh to maybe graphic design or whatever that that gift is we want to uh, uh, deploy those gifts
0: into the world the world Yeah, and I think we can get wrapped up in that church culture right the the four walls and think uh this is what uh, relationship with God is like, but it's actually going out um, and telling others about God's kingdom. Yeah. Um, I asked you to send me your bio. Your story is very powerful, man. Very touching. So you were the last of eleven kids. Hey, you're the baby, right? Yeah. Hey, you're the baby. <laughs> huh? All right, we can relate. See, maybe that's why we're good friends. Yeah. Right? Uh, your mom was married th- three times, you said, and uh, you didn't have much growing up. Um, you didn't know your dad. What was that like?
1: Um, when I was young, it was I was a little embarrassed to talk about. Uh-huh. Uh, I just didn't want to talk about it. If, it. if the subject didn't pop up, then I wouldn't want to talk about it. But when it did, I was always a uh, very shy, uh, timid, very fearful of. I didn't want to be made fun of mm. because that's where. Um, You know me being bullied from as far as I can remember maybe as soon as I went went into school uh, to about sixth grade I was constantly bullied because of the way I was dressed or the way I looked or I didn't have a haircut Mm -hmm. or something about my appearance so it was very easy to make fun of me so um, those were just moments where um, it just Made me really uncomfortable, but um, you know, it was a moment in sixth in sixth grade. I mean, it's a, it's a when you're in sixth grade and you just you know you don't know God. You're a. Uh, I was playing tether ball. Okay. I was in line, and uh, there's four separate uh, tethers, and uh, you move every time you win, you move on to the next one because each one is a better a better better player. Mm-hmm. So I was on the second one, moving moving up. And um, uh, during that time when I I was raised in Texas, there was a lot of, um, I guess, racism. There racism, a lot of segregation. Um, So when people would, uh, one guy, continue with the story. This guy said, uh, hey, I'm next. He wanted to take my place. Mm. So I'm in line, and I'm holding on to the pole. And um, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna let this guy move me. I'm, I'm next. I want to move on. You know, being in sixth grade, you, don't, you know, it's just something that you get a lot of, uh, you know, you get to the bragging rights. Right. So um, that's what I was going after. So this kid, a couple of guys, um, very, they were a lot bigger than I was, and I just got frustrated. I guess got upset. I guess I got to my my breaking point of being bullied. I guess. And I just um, measured him out, and I just clocked him. He fell right over. And as I was throwing this punch, the dean of the school was walking down the steps. He, was, he witnessed the whole thing. And uh, the kid went down. He had a, a mouse grew, like, instantly. And, um, and I'm like, wow, that's it. I got no more bullying in my head. I was, like, thinking, this guy, no, more, no one was ever going to bully me again. And all of a sudden, I started hearing, Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. This is like 1988, maybe. Okay. So I'm like, well, who's Mike Tyson? I got to fight him too, because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and uh, it turns out to be Mike Tyson, the ex-champ. Um, so um, in that moment, uh, a friend of mine uh, came up to me. because goes, hey, my my brother's a trainer. He's a boxing trainer. And that's when I got into boxing. I got introduced to boxing. and. Uh, you know, it's uh, it became a really a sport that I really loved and enjoyed, and it came easy to me because you know you spend so much time fighting in the streets and the playground and uh, high school. You know, you want to channel it in a different area, you know, a competitive area, and I did. I did very well as an amateur. Mm-hmm. So being bullied made you guarded, right? Yeah, very angry. Really, that's, that's where that's where my anger came from because when i was uh, maybe about 23 24 i had to really recognize where is this anger coming from because now i have two kids and i'm married and not that i was very um abusive i wasn't not that i was abusive at all to my my family it was, I was just very short and um, and i really had to recognize where did this anger come from and i and like the Holy Spirit just took me back into maybe like, I can remember three years old. Wow. And um, I remember me being three years old and just, you know, just the way I looked. And um, I asked God, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like this. I said, I need to understand how to get rid of this. So from, I would say from the age of 25 to about 35, is when I really began to understand myself as a son mm-hmm. and that who he is um, when I got um, in 1997 when I when I gave my heart to God when I came from when I pulled away from the altar and I gave my life to God and I didn't know what was happening I had tears I had snot. people were praying on me um, I felt something change like drastically I knew when I went back to my see something mm-hmm. something was different So, um, when I pulled away from the altar and started going back to my seat, I heard a voice. And the voice said, I'm the father to the fatherless. And in that moment, I said, Okay. Like, I knew who this person was, but I couldn't see him. So I'm having this conversation, like, Okay, I I heard what you said and I believe you. Now just help me fix me. Yeah. And um, maybe like two or three years later, I read that scripture. I'm the father to the fatherless. And when that happened, something began to trigger in my heart. And that's, I was about, I was 20 years old when I got saved. So I guess I was about 23, 24 when that really triggered my heart. And it really became, became alive in me that
0: he is, he is my father. He is what he was, who he says he is. So you felt like, you know, the way you grew up, your family situation, you felt like you were wandering for a good majority of your life, right? Yeah. And you also got like you described in when you were in sixth grade that you got knocked some kid out. Uh, but you also in in high school, so you got you got kicked out of school. Um, you that the was it the sheriff's came to your class or pulled you out of class or something like that? Yeah, the school security. And what happened after you got kicked out of school? What did what did you do with your life? Where did you go from there? After you know, you your, your home situation wasn't you know the best of the, of situations. Now you got kicked out of school. What was going through your mind? What did you do after that? The first thing that came to my mind
1: was everything that everyone said about me negative in a negative sense. I believed it. Um, my father was a a womanizer that's the reason why my uh, parents divorced Um, i'm a loser i'm not going to amount to anything so in in high school people uh, every every teacher i had except for one well except for two my coach and my english teacher uh, always told me how yeah i can do anything but the rest of the school that I was involved with, especially the school security always told me I would never amount to anything. And I used to get so fed up with these uh, school security guys that I would wanna fight them. I would, I would um, want to um, uh, put them in positions to where they would have to fight me, but they never did and I always wanted to because um, I just didn't like how they would talk to me and how they would just say all kinds of really crazy things and no one believed me. And um, from going, from being arrested from in high school, as I was a junior in high school, I got arrested, read, read my rights, handcuffed, and um, sent to juvenile hall. And I, while I was in juvenile hall, I was I did, I couldn't believe I was there. It's like how did this happen? And um, during those those two weeks, was it uh, was just like. I didn't know what was next. I really didn't know. I, I mean, I was like, I didn't want to fight no one because I don't want to be here. I just really kept to myself, um, and that's how. And in those moments, um, I was raised, you know, a Catholic, so I, I recognized, you know, Jesus, right. and I, and I prayed my, you know, what I could, what I knew how. And um, when the last day, when I was up, um, my time was up, and. Um, I said, I said, Jesus, if you get me out of this, I promise I would never, I would never live this type of lifestyle. I'll do something with my life. And um, I met my wife. We, I got out. I met my wife. I think I met my wife that summer. Okay. And uh, we started dating, and uh, you know, we uh, started dating, and then um, you know, she got pregnant. And then, uh, she was, she got pregnant and just things were just, again, going in a, in a spiral again. And, uh, she, I was, she was, she wanted to live, you know, a good life, a godly life and want to get married. And I was just, um, still doing my, my thing. I was still out partying and not coming home. And, you know, she got tired of that and, um, she left me. Hmm. So... After a while, um, I was—I realized how alone I was, and um, I didn't have anyone. My friends, family—I um, really didn't have anyone really to talk to. And again, I reached out to Jesus, and um, I said, "I don't know what's going on. I'm like—I'm not even sure if I should be alive." Mm-hmm. And it crossed my mind, like maybe I should—maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I am a mistake. Uh, from the point of my mother me being in my mother's womb i was rejected the doctor said you should need to abort this kid because he's going to come out dead or deformed so from infancy from not even being born i was rejected they're already
0: pronouncing something on
1: you yeah i was wow. already dead right and um three times in my life well mm. that was three times that i've heard the doctors t- uh, tell my mom twice that this kid shouldn't be alive because I got sick when I was younger mm. for whatever I don't remember remember what it, what it was but I remember hearing the doctor saying your son shouldn't be alive he should be dead so hearing that all my life you shouldn't you're not enough you're, you should be dead or really messed up to hearing my school teachers saying the same thing you never amount to nothing. You're just gonna be. You're gonna be just like so and So you're gonna be like those those, those gangsters on the street. You can be the same. That's who. That's you, that's your life. And um, nothing was going good. Nothing was. Nothing ever went well. Or how long did it last? And um, when? And that's where this orphan mindset comes in. Mm-hmm. Even after you get saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. or serving God for, you know, 20, 15 years, whatever, however many uh, years you're serving him, you can still continue on with this orphan mindset. Right. Because you're constantly asking yourself, when is this going to end? When is this going to stop? Is this too good to be true? Um, And you start to, you're actually waking up every day expecting something negative to happen because that's what you're used to. Yeah. And so we go on, we take this into our marriages, into our relationships, and we, under, we can't figure out why can't I trust this person? Why can't I trust this, this guy or that guy or that pastor or this boss or this girlfriend <laughs> yeah. or that boyfriend? We can't trust. So that eats into our relationship. Mm-hmm. And people, um, you know, within relationship, they, when, when we're talking about communication or relationship, people just, they wanna win the conversation. And you can't win the conversation. The key to communication is to understand one another. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what I love about our church, uh, Lighthouse Church. Um, it's just an amazing church. Uh, we have so many different ba- backgrounds under one roof. Well, actually two roofs, now North County. Yeah. But um, it's just an amazing dynamic of how God is um, transitioning so many people.
0: And, and, and speaking about church, um, you have an interesting story of how you came to church and why you came to church after uh you know when your your wife was going to church so tell tell us a little bit about that why, why did you start going to church <laughs> so um
1: my wife was spending a lot of time at church and to me it was just something that's new You know like who spends that much time at church I mean, mm-hmm. my mom spent that much time at church and she was always at church so um my wife made a an agreement with God is every time these church doors open, I'm going to be here. So she was consistently there with my daughter at the time was maybe like six months old. And, uh, I was just sitting in the living room one, uh, one afternoon. And I'm like, why is she always at church? She probably has a boyfriend. So I was, uh, 19 at the time. Yeah, I was 19. And, um, so I went into the church and, um, I, uh, was kind of just scoping it out and uh, I was looking for her and I saw her and she wasn't sitting next to another guy she was just sitting down and so as some of the ushers came up to me and they said hey we uh, like would you like, like seat?" And I said no I'm good I'm good right here but they were like insisting me to sit down but I didn't I just, just didn't want to sit down I was just there just kind of scope out the place So um, the reason why I went to church was was because I thought that uh, my wife had a boyfriend. Mm. So um, as she's coming out, I'm over here, uh, you know, bumping into the ushers and, you know, it's giving them a really bad attitude because I just didn't really want to be there. So um, so, uh, I realized she didn't have a boyfriend there, and and she was just uh, hooked on Jesus. And um, I, we just talked, and we and that's where my journey with church, uh, church, and, or God, you can
0: say, began. So you thought she had a boyfriend? You were ready to go, throw down, <laughs> yeah. and you were gonna have a meeting with Jesus that yeah. day. Yeah, it, you know, reminds me of that that scripture. You know, all things work together for the good, <laughs> right? Even if we were up to no good, and we had to a different intention and how God just begins to man that's amazing it's kind of it's kind of funny actually but you know it, it is amazing what God began to do in your heart yeah you know and as I was reading your bio um you you said a powerful statement and um you said um that it, during the middle of worship service um you asked God this question you said you accept me like this god yeah Tell me what you what was going through your mind when you asked God that question.
1: Well, after about nine months of uh, just visiting the church and just trying to, uh, I guess, looking for that Christian lifestyle that I didn't know how to find and I just didn't know what it looked like. Um, after about nine months of just being con- pretty consistent, of going, her with, going with her to church because at, now at that time I'm, I'm saying, okay, I know the problem is me. Now let's just try and work this together, work this out, and um, um, let's see what happens. So I was, I was one of the requirements. OK, well, you have to go to church. So about, after about nine months of going to church and really being consistent and really being intentional, the best I knew how. Um, I just felt this warmness come over me. And I thought, maybe they should turn on the AC or something. <laughs> and um, I was uh, and I just couldn't it was maybe me, made me feel really uncomfortable because I was very vulnerable I was really okay I began to look at myself and my life and and I put my hands up like like up yeah and I said and I looked down the way I was dressed you know baggy jeans and some Timberland boots and you know just uh, And I asked God I said um, you accept me like this just as I am, just like this. And I heard him, it's like you can almost hear, see him nod like, yeah, I, I, I accept you. And then as I'm saying that, she said, uh, the worship leader was singing, come just as you are. And this was back in 1997. Mm-hmm. And um, And as she began to sing that song, I thought I was the only person in the room at that time. And I looked around and all of a sudden these floodgates from my eyes just opened up and I'm like what's happening and then from that moment I felt this pull from where I'm sitting to the altar and I can see in the corner of my eye that my wife was just kind of like freaking out too because like you know I just don't cry um I was very hard very rough um and um when I was pulled to the altar um the lady was singing "Come Just As You Are," and that was like the message to me. And um, and again, um, I had this encounter with God, and, and from that moment, it, was, it, happened, it felt like it was yesterday. From that moment, my life has been totally transformed. Wow, completely.
0: We're going to get to um, a few um, things I, I really want to talk about, and Malachi four six says that. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children back to their fathers. Now, you growing up without a father, you know, um, you didn't get to know him. Why is this verse so important to you? What what does it mean to you? Why is it such a powerful scripture for you? It's my
1: assignment. It's my uh, uh, mandate that God has given me. Um, When I came into the lighthouse, I've been serving the Lord for uh, 22 years now, and um, I was a part of a church for 20 years or with the pastor for 20 years, and, um, you know, things just didn't work out, and um, for about a year or so, we didn't have a church. And I was asking God, okay, God, I'm 40 years old now, and I got to start over? I've been, I was so faithful to this person for so long, and, you know, now what? And um, it was moving to the point where my wife and I thought about moving to Texas and just kind of just getting out of California and just forgetting about church in general. Um, we were just tired of the politics. We are tired of, um, you know, titles. We are just tired, tired of the church culture. Right. And um, we really had to sit down and like, okay, what do we want to do next? What, do we, what are we going to do? And um, we'd be, we'd be, we didn't have a church for a year, and we were singing and just praying in our living room and uh, as a family my three daughters and my wife and we're just praying and singing and playing the guitar and just asking God what's next and in the, in that moment God gave me a vision during that time God gave me a vision and in my in that vision I saw um, I didn't I didn't consider them young adults but they were a younger generation like but not youth, and uh, I saw so many in my house. It was so many in my in my living room, in my kitchen, outside in my backyard. It was just it was just full. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, for for two days, I thought God was was asking me to start a church, but I didn't want to start a church. I thought that was crazy. I mean, I was still I'm still broken and I need healing, and um, I'm like that's nuts to start a church. And for a couple of days, it was in my head like I think I'm starting a church. And then two days later, it's like, no, God's, you're to you're I'm going to move you on to something different, something that you've never done before. In those 20 years, I was always with uh, serving in the men's ministry. I was a men's leader, uh, s- helping with uh, marriages, couples. That was something that we always done, my wife and I. And um, when uh, we came to Lighthouse, I asked God, okay, this is my, Lighthouse is my church now. I'm going to serve under Pastor Sam. And... That's another story, with Pastor Sam. Um, what's my assignment? What do you want me to do here? And he said, "He said, I want, I need you to come in as a father, mm. and just help, help um, mentor this generation." And I said, "Okay." And that, in that moment, I, in those, I remember that again, from the age of twenty-five to thirty-five, I began to understand as my, as who I am as a son. Because if we don't understand who we are as a son, we're not going to really understand the father. So um, there's a word that's been, um, it's like a worldwide movement. And um, they say that revival always has a sound. Mm -hmm. And this upcoming revival is, um, is the sound of a drum. So I've always heard that. And even my wife said, that, said the same thing. And I've always wondered, OK, well, why? Why is it a drum? And for a couple of years now, it's, just, it's always been a question like, OK, why? Why is it this sound? Why does it sound like this? And it goes back to Malachi 4, where um, Elijah, I, I will send you Elijah on this last day. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the hearts of the daughters back to the mothers. And that's my heartbeat that drum is a heartbeat so as i um as as god has given me this mandate that's become my my mandates become my heartbeat it's become uh uh, what i want to see most i want to see sons and daughters find their rightful place yeah that the, the spirit of god is is yearning creation is yearning and groaning Sons and daughters to be placed
0: in their rightful spots. In fact, when you were talking about, um, it's like the sound of a drum. The word that came to my mind was what you just said: yearning, like a, like a hunger to to go back to a place of completeness, right? And if you look at Malachi four, it's a t- t.Here's been a turning away of the hearts. So the question is, what has caused the hearts to turn away? Ab- bitterness anger you know resentment towards our authorities or elders why does the scripture paint it in that in that way well the
1: fathers give identity direction healing restoration they put a ring on your finger they put a coat all over your back as luke goes back to luke 15. they should have stoned his son about the prodigal son they should have stoned him but the father A demonstration of who the father is in our lives came running after him and said no this is my son he was once lost but now he's found and there's so many people who sons and daughters they don't know who they're where they're running to Mm. you know i gotta take myself back to when i was 16 years old 17 years old and i didn't have that father figure and so that's why i say that's why i constantly talk about sons and daughters or i constantly talk about who the father is because that's who the father is and um when he did this when when the prodigal son came back i mean it was it was considered a dishonor for the father to come mm-hmm. and come after him and that's what i love about jesus is he, he just he's just counter-cultural he's going to counter the culture to and embrace us as sons and daughters with, with with this grace that he's talking about yeah and uh, and we don't really know the the range or the depth of that love but we have to um demonstrate the best we can because even in our best day we still at some point don't really describe in fullness who he
0: is right you know what let's so give me an example what um A father's role is besides being a provider being a you know it talks about um given identity um tell tell us a little bit about you know that give us an example what a father should be because there's people that are listening that perhaps don't even have the idea that they they even have children and don't have the idea what a father really should be besides like a provider and protector but talk about identity talk about affirmation what um the importance of a father that's a good question
1: when my oldest daughter was in start with she went from sixth grade into seventh grade which is junior high I really began I, I wasn't really I was really afraid because I knew she's going to enter this stage where boys are starting are going to get involved now or they're going to want you know to talk to her or you know and I was just wasn't having it and I was very stern about it because I didn't understand it. I was fearing it, and the best way I can, uh, the best way I could, uh, uh, I guess, put into words is I wanted to control it. So control comes from fear, mm-hmm. and um, and I was con- wanted to control it because I didn't understand it. So um, I went to go pick her up one afternoon, and um, I asked, I said, God, I don't know how to raise. I don't know how to do this from junior high I don't know what to do yeah because you didn't have a model for that and I'm like what's going on because I, all I could think about was when I was in junior high and when I was in high school and the things I did so um I heard a clear voice again he says take her on a date and I thought I said okay but I felt I that was kind of weird like well, that's weird and um take her on a date, get dressed up. And I even saw the image of where I was supposed to go. And uh, we went out, and we started, I go, Dominique, get dressed. We're going to, I'm taking you on a date. And she got all excited. I mean, just the expression of a little girl like, I'm going on a date with Dad, Mom, you know. And uh, and then my other two daughters, they saw that, and then they, I had to take them on, out on dates, and it became uh, something that's uh, normal in our home. But on those dates, you know, we talked about all kinds of things. Um, stuff uh, we talked about boys. We talked about sex. We talked about. Um, as they got older, um, they're twenty three and twenty one and seventeen now. But whatever the, I didn't respond. To, I didn't. I didn't bring up a conversation until they asked a question. Mm-hmm. Because as they got older, the questions began to change. Began to shift. And um, in those moments, they just wanted. They just wanted I me. Mean, wanted me to talk about them and how nice they looked and who they are and what I'm doing at work and do I like my job and it was just very um, easy questions but as they got older that's when we started talking about all kinds of other things and 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 I want to encourage a lot of people don't be afraid to talk about um, sex with your kids because if they don't hear from you they're gonna hear from someone else and um, as parents we are able to um, give sound doctrine and um, boundaries and uh, support especially in this time
0: so you talk a lot about you you alluded to it earlier um the orphan heart and uh, you said in your bio that uh, without parents the orphan heart they don't have no one to turn to when they're in trouble scared or anxious the world becomes an unsafe place because there is no one in it to try to offer them comfort from its storm. That's a very deep statement. And what is an orphan heart? And tell me a little bit about it. An orphan heart, you, again, you don't
1: know what's happening next. You believe that your, 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 tum, your turmoil that you're in now, you think it's gonna last forever. You're never going to have the right job. You're never going to have the right, make, ra- make the right money. You're not going to, um, there's never going to be enough. And so um, these were the mindsets that I had growing up. And I, and I even take, took these, um, taking these um, thoughts into my marriage. Mm. And that's why I say between the age of 25 and 35, I say it again, I really had underst- I really had to understand myself as a son and what that really meant. I'm a son before I'm a pastor. I'm God's son before I'm a father. I'm God's son before I'm a husband because this relationship has to be um the best relationship that above all other relationships because when this when this when your relationship with Christ is is right and is healthy then the other relationships will be uh will come into play and um that's part of um Understanding who you are, and that goes into identity, and really allowing um, yourself to re—like, this is what God's word says. Now I'm going to apply it, even though I might not believe this, or maybe this is not for me right now. We need to pray. I believe what the Bible's saying, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And when you help your unbelief, you begin to rewire your brain. You, you begin to—Romans um, 12:1. You know, we trans—we we transform our the way our, the way we think. And um, it has to be a, 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 a. No one can help you. You have to understand that you got to do this on your own, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, you um, these mindsets they
0: change. The, the orphan heart—it's a it's a lonely, isolated um, feeling. So, tell me a little bit more about that as you were growing up, because you reference to it, and it's, a, and I can hear I can hear you as you know a lot of the things that you went through because there's some people that are going through this right now that don't want to talk about it why is it an embarrassing is it a shame why don't people want to talk about Hey, I have my heart is I feel so empty so alone lost I don't have you know someone that can cover me guard me protect me you know yeah.
1: well there's so many that's a really broad question um, sometimes as parents We can teach fear Hmm. we can we're teaching what we've grew up with without being healed so if we're fearful and we're have this orphan mindset we're unknowingly teaching our children the same thing and then our children are saying why am I thinking like this if Jesus is my father if Jesus is my my all-in-all and why why would I be thinking this And well my dad is a pastor and still I'm thinking like this or uh, I'm a leader in in this church but I'm still feeling like this why? And then it eats them up inside. They Mm -hmm. become confused and sometimes even rebel because of all the confusion the frustration Um, very fearful because people might not agree or people uh, in some cultures might not Well, maybe you're demon possessed or maybe you need uh, help or maybe you, uh, you know, hanging with the wrong crowd. All these types of um, things pop up Um, as far as the of understanding who who you are. You really have to um, allow God to be that 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 person. And sometimes uh, he might introduce you to someone. And you and, and like in our in our home in, in our young adults, we we get to demonstrate family. Okay. Because family's not always present, or ha- maybe it hasn't been healthy in their situation. Because in my situation, uh, it was really I, I didn't know what family really looked like. Having a dad, having a mom, you know, having a you know a nice meal with the, with the family and just hanging out. And um, you know, when, when you get to demonstrate that. It
0: brings a lot of clarity to a lot of these answers. Yeah. So, what what's the starting point to figure it all out? Like, where was that starting point for you? Where you just like, you know, you said, "Yeah, uh, I'm tired of feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? What did you, What did you do? Is it was it like a surrendering of your heart? What, you know, what what was the that thing that helped you just get on that? path to recovery or path to healing well um
1: i had a pastor that was um he was he was was very present in my life he was Mm -hmm. a a father figure and his family was as well and um he began to just just be there just answer questions just be there as a man be there as a husband be there as a friend and um, i began to as he began as he began to demonstrate that model, I began to see the father in a different way. Because if, if our dads, as a dad, if I'll give you an example, I had to go back to my kids and say, I don't want you to see God the way you see your dad. Because hmm. the way kids see their dad, they're going to assume that God is the same way. So if dad, uh, like for myself, I was always working or or I was always at church. And when I got home, I didn't really want to do family. Going out, uh, I think my wife even told me one time that I feel like a single mom because I was just too tired. So I had to turn to my kids and apologize to them. I said, will you forgive me? For being so absent, because either I wanted to be at work or I wanted to be at church, or you know, being a pastor in that moment, and I and I asked them to forgive me. I asked them, let's let's restructure this life that we that we're living. And I went to each 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 one of them, and I told them all in a group, and I told my wife the same thing. Will you forgive me for putting this first? for putting ministry before you, for you forgive me for putting my job before this family. And we always use the excuse, well, I gotta provide for my family, we gotta pay the bills, that's all true and that's all good. Mm-hmm. But there's um, there's a there's a, a priority in how, how God wants this done, and when he really becomes the source of your life, he really becomes the source of your life, even through your job or your profession or whatever, how it is you make money. Um, and that's where it started for me in my uh, my family, because I wanted them to see how good, even in our mistakes and even things that have gone bad, didn't go as as planned. I want them to understand that God is still good; He doesn't change. Mm-hmm. People, us, you know, we change constantly, but God, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So I didn't want them to give a get a bad feel or or a bad image of who he, he who he really is, and as a father, I wanted to make sure that they understood that um, they they understood that properly.
0: You know, it's interesting, like in the, I'll say in the Hispanic culture, but I'm sure it's every you know other cultures too, where you know, fathers come and they provide you know put a put a roof over our heads, you know so we can and we have a uh, food on the table and you know that's their you know perhaps they're grown up they didn't receive a whole lot of love and attention and affirmation you know and you know my for instance my father he he's, he's very um to himself he's not very expressive you know so growing up i was like well, what does my dad think about me what does he feel about me and you know and i would you know harbor a little bit of like resentment or like being like why doesn't my dad like like talk to me or tell me these things you know it took a while for him to even be able to say i love you to me you know and then i when he started telling me about his story his upbringing you know had a harsh like upbringing working since he was 12 just like you you know and you know if he didn't produce you know he's getting whipped and he was getting um beat you know till he did what he was supposed to do so Love and affection and affirmation wasn't something that he received. So when I started to understand that, it was like, Man, how how can um my I I can't receive something that he didn't receive, you know, so I had to um you know, I even to this day it's kinda of, it's kinda of funny. Like I like I try to be more expressive and like, Dad, I appreciate you, Dad, I, I love you, you know, or you know, thank you for everything, you know. Um like especially when we hang up on on the phone, Dad, I love you and he's like Oh, uh, okay, thank you. See, it, it's still like hard for him to receive, and I think sometimes um, we can have our own, you know, predisposed notions of, you know, those over us, our authorities, or our leaders, or our parents, that they're not expressive, but sometimes they might have gone through a hard childhood that, you know, um, they didn't receive something, so now it's just we turn our hearts away, right, from the Father, just like the, the Scripture says. So it, it's, it can be a very touchy and hurtful thing. You know, we, we struggle with identity and security. How can somebody find their identity and security? How would you go about telling your young adults how to find their identity, how to find their security? Jesus said something
1: very important, and it's something that I live by jesus said if you don't see me doing what the father is doing then don't believe me and this is a message that um i've I've sent i've sat down and talked with with the young adults and i said as nick as pastor nick whatever you want to call me if you don't see me doing what jesus did then i don't want you to believe me either as a matter of fact um, if you don't see me demonstrating what Jesus did, don't you don't even have to come back to this young adult group. And what I did while I was saying that was I wanted them to trust God, mm. not necessarily Nick. and um, through me demonstrating what Jesus did and how he loved and didn't judge and he created a safe place uh, in that safe place there's no um, there's no fear you get to be. Your true, your true self, without any judgment, because fear brings punishment. It, it, is, it expects some type of punishment. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring, set that, um, that safe place up to where you know what, you can talk about your father, how he left, or you can talk about your father on how he uh, uh, committed adultery, or you can talk about your father who's present but he's not really there. You can talk about your father who says, who's never told you or affirmed you and says, hey, I love you. He's never said that, but he's present. So how do we uh, change that format? Well, it's like um, when walls are built, like any type of wall, and the more it set, the longer it sets in the sun, the more, the longer it it gets like very hard and it can very, it's very consistent that's mm-hmm. why when, when uh, Jesus said he is without sin cast the first stone and they all went away from younger to older so as we get older uh, it's very hard because it's been about 60, 70 years of having the same mindset and then we get saved and we're trying to save or help our parents through this process and I think you just saying I love you is, is chipping away at those at that wall uh, being able to say um, I forgive my dad is another chip on the wall mm-hmm. and, and and there, another way to say to look at it is I know my dad didn't grow up you know, in, with, with God and have a Christian home he might have grew up in a crack house he might have grew up in a single parent lifestyle a foster home group home uh, we don't know but I know that's, it's very broad, but the more we uh, say, I love you, Dad, or put my, you put your arm around him or embrace him or a gift or a card or out to eat, that chips away at, the, at that wall that's,
0: uh, of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So the Bible says that honor our fathers and our mothers, right? How do we honor those that have been absent? or How do we honor those that have abandoned us? Right, it's easy, to, you know, to honor you know the parents that have been there for us, and we, we love them, and we try to honor them as much as we can. But how can we honor somebody that's never been there, and for us to still maintain a healthy mind and a, you know um, a healthy emotional heart? Well, with me, I, I speak right
1: out of my experience. The first thing that had to come was forgiveness, and as I forgave him, like my dad. I called him, let me see, the last time I saw him I was 13, and before that I don't really remember when I saw him. So when I when I um I called him up, maybe I will actually, let me rewind, I didn't see him until I was 13. I got married, so maybe about tw- 20 years after that, 25 maybe, so I was like 23, 24. Um my wife uh actually found him through, you know, mm-hmm. Google and just searching him up. And um she said, Hey, I have your dad's number. So I held on to it for a little while. I didn't call him. I'm like, What am I gonna say to him? And um I so finally I got the courage to just call him up and see what happens, you know. And I called him up and he says, Hello and, and I told him who I was and um, he started crying a little bit, and he asked me how I was doing and just, um, you know, what's going on. And maybe within, it was like a, it was like a five or maybe ten-minute conversation. And uh, he asked me a question, and that question was, hey, do you have any other girls on the side? I said, no, I'm married. So back then, I didn't have the capacity to understand that. So what I did, I just kind of cut it short, hung up and then I went through that process like you know what I don't understand I don't even know him I just know his name I just know he's my dad hmm but I don't know how he grew up I don't know what he saw I don't know you know how his childhood was I don't know anything about him so I took that into perspective and I called him back and maybe about a year later I called him back and I said hey I, I just want to tell you that I I'm, forgive me as a son for not calling you hmm and um, um, I don't hold anything uh against you or you know uh the marriage that uh y- between you and mom and didn't mention anything like that and um I just told him, hey, you know let's just start from this moment on and um so I went after uh i tried my actually i'm still trying my best in, in uh trying to create a, a relationship mm-hmm. but I'm at peace with what I have um I understand that. I still don't I still don't know his backstory, but I'm at peace with it because I've I've I released it. It's no mm-hmm. that's not mine to hold on to. Yeah, we can blame our dad our entire life. If I was blaming my dad right now, we probably wouldn't be sitting here together doing this podcast. Right. So we can play the vain the, the, the blame game all we want, or we can play with the victim mindset all we want, but we have to understand that who our father is in heaven. See the 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 thing about parents or pastors, or spiritual fathers, or however way, whatever your culture is, is our fathers. They can create a, a predisposition in our lives. They can create character flaws and maybe situations, but they do not create our destiny. Mm-hmm. The destiny relies on you, relies on me, relies on her. Uh, it just relies on the on that individual. But if you come, if you stay stuck as the victim, then that creates the orphan, the orphan heart. And those two, they love each other. But if you counter that with saying, you know what? This is not mine to carry. I'm going to move on because I'm not going to allow this situation to create my destiny. And we carry this into our 50s and 60s, into our graves, because we, we never really understand. Well, some of you out there some of you might say, well, you don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know what my dad said to me. You don't know how my dad beat me. You don't understand how my dad uh, made me feel. My dad never showed up to my baseball games. My dad never showed up to anything. My dad was not present. As long as we're in that mindset, we stay in that mindset. We stay stuck until you come to your, to a place and you have this encounter with God, and you're just like, OK, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you at your word, that you are the father to the fatherless, that you are our father, that um, I'm no longer a slave to this mentality, but you've adopted me. And since you've adopted me, I can claim my rightful inheritance as far as Roman is concerned. Mm-hmm. So as we, the, the mature, um, we have to, and I say all this because that's what I went through. Yep. I, I walked it out and it was really hard because on Father's Day, I mean, I was you know, celebrated, but I didn't have anyone to celebrate. As a matter of fact, the word "dad" or "father" has never come out of my, my mouth towards my dad, and it never really has at all. So, um, to even just say that word, I, it's foreign to me. Uh, if if I allow it, but I have a father in heaven who has really become my dad. He's really become my father figure. He's really been. He's really has has helped me, and helped me to be understand as a, who I am as a son, and demonstrate fatherhood to the person in front of me
0: so god was preparing you for your call you're you're described as a uh spiritual father to to some to your um young adults group and and this doesn't just apply just to young adults because there's you know adults that have been carrying this their whole life and don't know how to um understand what's going on with them right that there's that empty emptiness that void uh, that thing. So God has been orchestrating your life for a long time. It ain't amazing how God just prepares you for your call. Yes. And so talking about fathers, my dad was an evangelist, right? I remember growing up, we'd go to Laguna Beach on you know, Saturday nights. I remember setting up the chairs and tables and, you know, that's what he was doing. And then something happened. I never knew. It stopped. And it's almost like he became a shell of himself He just kind of shut down and you know perhaps he's carrying some wounds or you know and I love and respect my father and I've picked up that mantle that he left and you know I've gone through my journey I've gone through a lot of things and isn't it amazing how God just orchestrates everything to prepare you for your call because you know what it's like to lack right and then when you see others lacking you have that compassion that mercy while as we talk about church culture judges you know punishes but kingdom culture spirit god we love and embrace it's amazing how um, god just orchestrates everything in the scripture if any man be in christ he is a a new, new person, new creature. You're talking about changing mindsets, check, changing your, your heart, um, changing your, your, your perspective. You know, sometimes we just think, well, just, you know, what it means just changing our ways. No, it's, it's a renewing of, of our mind because our true identity is we've, we've placed it in, in others and not in God. Right. Or what others did to us, what didn't do to us. And, um, I Man, I I I feel your heart. I feel um, the Father Spirit in you. You're a, re- a revivalist. You describe yourself as a revivalist, someone who revives and restore. And so without giving names, share some of the testimonies, um, how you have helped others in your, in your ministry a little bit. I love that question. A
1: revivalist is someone who can say, who can look at a valley of bones and say, can these bones live? Mm-hmm. If, if God before me, who can be against me, right? So the answer is always gonna be yes. So there's so there's, there's countless people, I mean, so many, to where, as far like your situation with, with your dad, we you have so many uh, young men who are building their relationship with their fathers because they understand who the father in the Bible is. And they can uh, come back with healing and forgiveness and talk about just everyday life. And one of the things I, I tell tell him, I said, don't talk about church if he doesn't, if, he doesn't, if he's not, you know, saved and just talk about life, talk about school, talk about his life, talk about jobs, take him out to eat, give him give him a gift. If he's pushing away, Church is there's a reason mm-hmm. so just demonstrate jesus you don't got to talk so much about jesus and uh, and just in this demonstration of them walking out what jesus did and just showing love and having that um keeping your love on uh and not turning it off t- when you hear uh, you know a negative remark or something about you know their moms or whatever uh keep it keep that relationship healthy and, and i tell them um Communication is not about winning the conversation. It's about understanding one another mm-hmm. and un- get to get to know your dad and understand who he is and his childhood and his lifestyle and you know his perspective on things and share yours, even though even if he doesn't agree with it, just share it anyways and just say, hey, this is what I think of it. But you know, in a loving way, um, so many um, people who are like hidden don't really don't really feel that they have anything to give Uh, i went to school and this is my job and this is what i'm doing that's it i'll serve here and there but wait a minute you have a gift to teach you have the gift to speak you have the gift of prophecy let's let's um work out these gifts well how do we do that i said well let's just go we have um our our connect groups uh we call them tribes and um and that's in in that little in our home is where we, you know, get to demonstrate uh, that you're speaking tonight, or what did you sense in the room, or is God speaking to you in, in this way? Um, and that's how we pull out what's inside of them. Mm-hmm. It, it causes them to re- really recognize and really understand. Okay, what is what does this really mean? Um, so when they do it when they do it in the, in the small places, then we prepare them to do something. Uh, the same thing, but in a, on, a, on a different stage.
0: Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, He has given us the spirit of adoption, where we can say you are my Father. How how can we find acceptance and a sense of belonging in God?
1: We have, it's really um, I believe it's family. Mm-hmm. People have a hard time doing family because it's it's not something that's common when in when jesus when the disciples said lord teach us how to pray jesus didn't say pray our god he said pray our father so it's always going to look like family it's always it always comes back to the father giving us who our our identity and our direction and, and naming us there's so many people on this earth right now right now as we speak that don't even know their first names they don't even know who they are. They just know they—they uh, don't, they don't know where their uh, food's coming from. They don't know where you know anything's coming from. And when I heard that um, a few weeks ago, it really—it really shook me. And um, it's my purpose. It's my—I uh, um, um, commission to speak to these dry bones and pull out destiny pull out this creative, who they are, whether it be, uh, it can be from uh, school, college, what college they go to, to what profession are they going to choose, to uh, what ministry are going to serve into next, or are they going to speak into, so it, it's a big variety of things, and uh, as long, uh, when we say kingdom-minded, then we're, it, it, stays, it stays broad, mm-hmm. so we get to demonstrate the kingdom of God and call out this destiny, call out speak to these say hey you know you're not a failure this is what god has called you to be this is what he wants from you guess what you have this gift now let's demonstrate this good let's work on this gift and we always start small because you know for obvious reasons um always start small because the um i want to build their um their confidence i want to say hey that was easy let's try it again and let's try it again and let's try it again and then they start to perfect uh, their giftings Mm -hmm.
0: And, you know, you're talking about family. I think this is where the church plays a vital role. And, and, you know, I know there's some people have, you know, well, I don't need to go to a church. You know, I can have church in my home, which which is very true. But I think being around a, a group of people that have a healthy spiritual mindset, you know, helps change some of those mindsets. And I think sometimes we're, you know, when we go to church all the time, we we forget, you know, what the importance of community is, what the importance of being together is. Cause you don't know what, you know, Joe public is carrying as he walks into those building, into the building, you know, and they just, they just need to be loved on. They're not bad people. They're not, you know, they just need to be, know that they accept and belong. And I think that's what the importance of, um, he gives us the spirit of adoption because now I know I have a sense of of belonging. You know, if my father, my mother forsake me, the Bible says God will never forsake me. Yeah. And you know, it's I as I lead our, our our music group at at my church. You know, I told them, you know, on Father's Day, some this day may be hard for you. You know, especially you know as they celebrate the fathers. you look around and, you know, you have nobody, you know, like you're talking about, no nobody to celebrate, but you know, your Heavenly Father is there for you. And God has allowed all these things to happen because He wants to build you and make you and form your identity in Him. And one day all this pain, all this struggle, all this hurt that you've grew up with, lack of identity, lack of affirmation, there's going to be a young person that is going to Go through the same thing. You're gonna be able to spot it, and you're gonna be able to provide what they need spiritually, change the course of their lives. And it's 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 amazing how God just uses all our all our issues, all our negativities, all our hurts and pains to to bless others, right? And uh, I mean, we're gonna be wrapping up here, um, but I did a little bit of sleuthing here and. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I just want to read something to you that somebody had shared with me about you, and um, it's very touching. And I I just want you—I say this because I want you to know and realize how you're impacting people. You know, and your your heart is 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 fathering and loving, being that spiritual mentor. And then somebody said that Pastor Nick has a shepherd's heart. He's one of those those leaders that can pinpoint your strengths. And then help you grow even more in those areas that you lose any kind of focus you've ever had on your weaknesses. Nick and his wife, all they do is love, which lets you know there's intimacy with Jesus. Uh, Pastor Nick and I are probably two of the most different people, but there is a fathering mantle that he carries that allows us to connect. So one of my final questions to you is, what's next for Pastor Nick? What is God telling you? what do you feel God's spirit leading you in this next season of your life?
1: It's interesting. Um, I was just talking to someone about this on Monday. And, um, I know there's more, I know there's a lot more out there and it's, it's burning in me. It's, it's burning in my heart. It's, um, but um, one thing that I can feel is God's harness. And that harness is, is causing me to submit to the timing, mm-hmm. submit to who he is and not to get in front of him. And um, so I, stay, I lose sight of that for a moment and fulfill uh, the vision of Lighthouse Church. And um, what's happening now is we have this. Um, it's called X Movement. You can follow it at X M O V T. Uh, we're using this as a platform. It's it's high school and young adults. And um, our our theme is we dis- we discover who you are, we disciple, and then we deploy. Because after you discover, disciple, then we find out who you are, and then people. Will draw from you, or they'll say, "Hey, I need someone to can lead this group or lead that group. Who do you have?" And I can I can pull one of these young adult leaders and say, "Okay, this one, this guy's ready, or this girl's ready." And um, we use we're going to begin to use this platform so that um, we can find those. Uh, Evangelists, we mm-hmm. can find those pastors. We can find that next musician. We can find find that new creative, um, and giving them room to speak. For example, um, I want them to speak. I'll take like four, uh, two girls, two guys. Okay, you guys got five minutes to speak in front of all these people. And the first reaction is like fear, like oh no way, it's not gonna happen. I say hey, you did it in the small group. Just do it in front of these people. They already know you and I understand that fear because that fear speaking in front of people is it still kind of misses me up a little bit but um, once you get rolling it, it changes and mm-hmm. it starts to change but um, and I sh- and I, I share this all the time with them um, I even show I showed pictures the other night like hey this is where we started at this is Nick you know now but this is Nick 20 years ago very timid very uh, unaware just you know not confident but now there's nick now so it, it just it is a process and mm-hmm. we can't forget the process and we have to even you know, even enjoy the process because in about 20 years you're going to be talking about these things so we're using this as a platform to for them to demonstrate what god is doing through them and they can show their friends like hey i'm speaking at this place or i'm gonna play the drums or i'm singing or i'm mm-hmm. leaving worship or I'm doing sound, or I'm doing the production, or the lights, whatever it is, I get to do this at this place on a bigger stage. So, and that pulls out um, uh, all those things that they didn't think they had, and it builds confidence. And when you get God confidence, it changes everything about your life because now you have confidence to go into your workplace and into Mm -hmm. the schools, and you get to demonstrate a healthy way Mm -hmm. of living as far as being a Christian and uh, you're not afraid uh, you have to, you recognize that you're constantly as jesus is with you next to you the holy spirit is with you you're constantly in this safe place and wherever yeah. you step your feet you get to change the atmosphere you get to change the environment because of who is inside of you mm-hmm. so as you con- are constantly aware of uh, you being in a safe place you you ca- you always know that you have your your best man in your corner his name is jesus amen so as as we do that um uh, we're not gonna have to look for them to see who's gonna speak next. I believe if we do this right, they're gonna come to us and say, "Hey, I have this gift," and we did, we get to develop these gifts and uh, just work with them. Yeah. So it's like on-the-job training, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, on, once we get we discover who they are and the direction they're going, uh, we begin to disciple
0: that and then take it to the next level. Yeah. So two more questions, and then give us the benediction and pray us out uh the first one is so those that didn't have a model of a perhaps a father or a mother you know um were abandoned or you know were orphans literally um what are some of the red flags to watch out for when it comes to like dating or um get into relationships or friendships that are easy to fall in when you you know come from that background
1: Uh, um, one of the main things that pops out is just the way they speak the way they carry themselves uh, very isolated Um, always tell um, high schoolers or uh, young adults before you enter different relationships with boys or girls, um, make sure you understand who you are. Make sure you create those boundaries and know yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, um, we ask God to forgive us. We ask people to forgive us. Even, I even tell you, hey, will you forgive me? But sometimes, when in this healing process, we forget to forgive ourselves. And when we forget to forgive ourselves, that's when a lot of, um, I can't do it, or depression, or isolation, or they fall into certain traps. Whether that trap could be um, uh, pornography, or it can be hanging out with the wrong group, or it can be uh, whatever that is, is they'll kind of lean on it, and just uh, to find their strength uh, again. Mm -hmm.
0: My last question is, what word of encouragement would you give to somebody that went through something similar as you? I would tell him
1: or her that God is good. He's always good. He doesn't change. We have to learn to forgive and really understand the, the big picture of what, what really happened. What what Why, why am I feeling like this? And forgiveness again—it it plays a big part because if you can't forgive, it's—it's um, it's so hard to move on. Uh, forgiveness starts starts a, a, a starts to clo- uh, starts to the beginning stages of uh, of just finding closure. And um, when we forgive, then we can move on to the next step, and that next step is just uh, healing, inner healing, all those thoughts, all those mindsets. Um, what used to be and um, just getting past
0: that. Amen. Pastor Nick, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the podcast and I really appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship, your words of encouragement and I appreciate you sharing your heart. Would Would you bless us? Would you bless the people?
1: Father, we just thank you. We thank you, we love you, we honor you. Lord, I pray that you would penetrate the heart of every listener. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal the Father and who he really is. He's not mad at you. He's not in a bad mood. He's waiting. He's listening. He's waiting for to respond back to you. We just honor you today. We just ask that you would just just pour out your love on us right now. Lord, we thank you for this podcast. We thank you for Abraham, Lord, and all that he's doing, just trying to reach people. Lord, Lord we just pray that you would um, pour out a blessing on this on this ministry, on this podcast, the Preacher's Corner. Lord, we just thank you. We honor you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Thank you.